The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened, the stories that matter most. And with me for the afternoon update today, David Davin, Power Journalist, and Jack Power, Journalist with the Irish Times. Uh, you're both very welcome. Um, Folks, um, I, I kind of I come into work these days, uh, David, uh, hoping against hope it might be a day we won't be talking about and discussing immigration. Uh, but uh, matters in Ross Grey have put paid to that. So this ongoing protest um, continues in the Tipperary town. But there's been some skirmishes with Gardaí today. So I gather, um, obviously, locals still very upset that the Racket Hall Hotel is to be uh, used for uh, housing asylum seekers. They claim it is one of the few, if not the only, facility in the County Tipperary town. I think the government is struggling to make up for an information vacuum that they have really kind of contributed to themselves. Uh, one figure that struck me that emerged over the weekend was that was it forty six percent of all uh, applicants for international protection were single males, uh, which of course is, appears to be some kind of uh, pressure point for a lot of residents groups. Um, that's a lot of people, and that's a high proportion of the number of people that are seeking international protection, and that in turn is a big problem for the government. Um, it seems to me that they've been very slow in in, in getting the figures out. Um, I, I think that. Uh, Enda Kenny used to say, uh, Paddy likes to know the story. And I think there's a feeling that Paddy hasn't really been getting the full story. Not that there's anything being concealed, but just that the full facts aren't being put out there. And, you know, I mean, misinformation thrives in a vacuum. Um, Obviously, people are concerned about this issue of uh, what some people call unvetted males. I'm not quite sure if if Irish people would be vetted if they were to be in a similar situation. But um, uh, it's been allowed to thrive. Um, communities, particularly outside Dublin, where they feel they're starved of facilities, have to wait to see a GP and so on, feel that their plight will be worsened by the uh, arrival of people being housed in uh, in facilities like Racket Hall. Um, the government really has to uh, uh, get active here and you know, get on the ground mm. with the facts. There are so many questions being asked and information, it seems to me, is is dripping out. Uh, Jack, in terms of what's actually happening as well in, in Rathscray, I understand the public order unit, Garda public order unit is now uh, on the street, which would uh, suggest a change in strategy from Angarda Siakana in terms of their policing of these types of incidents. Yeah, so we've seen, you know, several days of locals protesting outside. Um, as you said, you know, with, with a guard of presence there, there seemed to have been a kind of a, a kind of proper clash between um, the two there this afternoon. As I said, the public order unit has been deployed, and you know, on in kind of the far right, I suppose, media and social media ecosystems, um, there's been kind of a fair bit of chatter about this in terms of you know people posting saying as as they say, call to arms to turn up at the hotel later this evening. So, I mean, it remains to be seen whether that will materialise into anything further or or whether it's just, you know, chatter on, on social media and, and in these kind of um, Telegram accounts. Yeah, and, and again, I don't want to kind of fall into kind of the trap of a lazy narrative around the, the, the Dublin riot, so-called. Um, uh, that wasn't um, kind of everybody of a far-right persuasion on the streets, mm-hmm. but certainly that there was an element of that that... that 
began the process that got the ball rolling. And I guess that might be the fear amongst not just Angarda Siakana, but kind of policymakers and politicians this evening is you've got the public order unit now on one side and you've got some of these telegram accounts in other places calling people to the street in Tipperary. Yeah, well, that's what we've seen. This is the MO of, you know, kind of these kind of far right agitators is they will move from community to community um, or, you know, try to organise from community to community online as you said, kind of trying to whip stuff up, stir stuff up, um, you know, and, and in the case of the Dublin riots, you know, I was there reporting on the night. By the time a lot of the looting had started, a lot of the instigators um, in terms of the, the far right heads, you know, kind of nowhere to be seen once the rubber hit the road. Are we comparing like with like, though? I mean, is Ross Cray uh, Parnell Square? I mean, the differences are legion, aren't they? I mm. mean, the people in Ross Cray would regard themselves as, you know, poles apart from the tugs that tore apart O'Connell Street. Mm. And, you know, the worry would be that they would very much resent seeing the public order unit there in the same way that they were, albeit belatedly, deployed against the people in O'Connell Street. Yeah, I, but, but I I guess what uh, defenders of, of the Garda strategy might suggest is that the public order units are, are there not to confront the kind of the the people of Ross Gray as a group. Rather, it's to confront those far right agitators. Have we suggested, though, or have we, is there any evidence that there are any, there is a far right element in Ross Gray? I think it's mainly been seen in terms of what I've been seeing this afternoon. It's mainly been online in terms exactly, of you know exactly, you know there. Exactly. Um, as I said, none of them may be no, within. There's no evidence. You know, is it an area on, on, on the ground? No, there. no but uh, but there is a protest there, and people were quite vocal at some of those protests that they were willing to stop people accessing the hotel, and they've managed to do that in other places. And it's not necessarily a far right element, but we saw it in uh, was it in County Clare, County Galway last summer, where people boarded a bus and asked people for uh, their identity papers yes, before well, managing to get. Public order unit. Is, public order is, unit. It's not going to stop that. Uh, but I mean, I, I, why I, wouldn't the public order unit stop kind of citizens getting on a bus and demanding to see other people's papers? I think the public order unit is deployed in a particular way with um, you know uh, body armor and. Uh, it's essentially um, it's it's a step up from normal policing, and I just worry that I mean, it's, it's I, an unnecessary escalation. I'm possibly. not saying it's unnecessary at all. I'm not there, but I would just uh, worry a little bit that uh, deploying the public order unit in Ross Cray would be seen by people there as equating them with the people that the public order unit had to deal with in the so-called Dublin riots. That's all. Mm. Well, listen, um, it, it is ongoing, um, and as Jack says, I mean there is chatter in some of the darker corners of the internet uh, that uh, more people might arrive uh, tonight to um, uh, amplify the protests, if we'll put it politely. And if there's any development on that front, we will bring it to you um, here on the show. Um, Electric Ireland have announced uh, price cuts, um, encouraging others uh, to uh, join. This is going to affect, Jack, about kind of over one million customers. There's talk of uh, a price war. Uh, the government, it strikes me, the possible big winners in all of this. It's only a few days ago, Pascal Donoghue was being asked about a possible uh, spring cost of living package. Yeah, and I think as they'll, they'll be you know, kind of slightly licking their, their lips at this, that, you know, that's one of the main pinches that everyone felt during the cost of living crisis over the last um, year and a half or so is really, really high electricity bills. So, and th- we were in a situation where they were only going up, um, you know, provider after provider were, were increasing them. So a situation where it's kind of now going the other way um, would obviously be music to the government's ears. I think this one... Um, this latest cut of whatever around kind of seven percent would roughly equate to around a hundred, hundred and fifty quid over the course of the year. Um, and as you say, if there if there is more, others others follow. You know that would that would definitely be um, 
a little bit of pressure off the government's back on, on that front. It is still a question though, isn't it, of prices going up like a rocket and down like a feather. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do, they do go up pretty quickly and, you know, you're scarcely perceptible when they come down. I think it's worth making the point that despite these these very welcome uh, moves by the uh, electricity companies, which will be music to the ears of the government, who I often think um, don't uh, try hard enough to get credit for the own, their own efforts in paying 150 off for a bill. But the point uh, I would make is that we're still nearly uh, twice the EU average for mm. the cost of power. I mean, that's even given our island status, that's, that's pretty st- stark, isn't it? It, it? it is. There's some chatter as well that ECB rates might be cut later in the year, though the ECB kind of trying to push back on that narrative. But I haven't been around the halls of power for so long, David. You'd appreciate kind of the, the difference between perception and reality and which is more important in a, in a political sense. And the doll is back today, um, is back tomorrow, this week, this rather, week, yeah. uh, back tomorrow. Um, uh, uh, and most of the parties kind of on general election footing. Aren't they? Is that oh, fair? Oh, I think so. I think so. And, um, and one would suspect that it would be in the opposition's interest to to perpetuate the perception that there is still a very acute cost of living crisis. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's true that prices have, have gone up and have stayed up and it's good to see uh, electricity prices going down. Um now, I take the view that if anything is a crisis, if everything is a crisis, nothing is a crisis. So yeah. everything seems to be a crisis. I mean, the pri- prices have gone up, whether it's a crisis or not, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of it is outside the government's control. Um, you, you, you are making optimistic noises about the ECB there, but um, who knows? Triumph of hope over expectation. Well, there you are. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think you can expect to see the opposition, particularly Sinn Féin, poo-pooing this um, decrease in power, power prices, electricity prices as a, a, a drop of the ocean, really. Uh, uh, David Jack makes the point about the government not uh, being quick enough often to, to claim credit for the, the, their actual achievements. Heather Humphreys today is announcing um, uh, this uh, ski, the renovation of derelict buildings in communities for use as community centres, 4.5 million euros. So this is how they're going to kind of assuage the fears of people in rural Ireland that they're losing their only hotel to Ukrainian refugees. Yes, the old building down the road will yeah, turn I that mean, into somewhere you can have your communion. It's a, it's always kind of a good idea. Anyone that's driven through any rural area or town or village, you know, will be really struck by, you know, the level of dereliction in kind of, you know, the, the main streets and the, the centre of these villages and towns. Um, you know, some of the... Um, things that this funding will go towards would be turning these derelict buildings to kind of community hubs, remote working type facilities, um, men's sheds, areas, um, gyms, stuff like that. So, I mean, stuff that, as you say, you know, a rural community with that's only seen its amenities being paired back over the last how many years? Um, you know, I suppose this would be welcome. As we said, it's, it's at the stage that funding's been announced. I think people will be a lot more happy when they see, you know, shutters go up and, and yeah. doors go open. I think it's a good initiative from probably one of the coalition's most successful ministers, Heather Humphreys. Mm. Um, I mean, from a standing start, she's she, she's really uh, excelled in the two terms she served. Um, and it, it is notable that a couple of the towns on the list are towns that really have languished in recent years. So it's good, but it's it's a small initiative. And I would have one small uh, cavil about uh, the, the plan, which is... Like, I know of one very good initiative in uh, Coot Hall in um, Roscommon, Leitrim, uh, where the uh, John McGahern School, uh, the barracks has been handed over to the local community. Mm. Uh, and it, 
a local committee run it very well, but unfortunately they don't get any current funding from the county council who handed over the centre in apple pie order. But the local committee have to raise money for power, insurance, Mm. all the heating, all the rest of it, and it is quite a burden. Uh, So I just wonder what the ongoing situation for uh, these uh, community hubs when they are established will be. Will it fall to the county council to fund them uh, on a kind of a a year-to-year basis? Uh, Of course, it would be a lot more welcome if some of these were being refurbished for uh, domestic purposes for people to live in, but that's another story. It is another story, and nobody seems to mention, says one listener, that for most of the single males seeking protection in Ireland, they have an extended family back home in their home country who would be entitled to come here if they are granted asylum, hence multiplying the number of immigrants in the country. Another listener says these people are not far right. It is people looking to keep their only hotel. It's a vital part of our community. And Jack and Terry Neuer says, please stop calling community protesters, far-right agitators. It's untrue, it's not correct and it is counterproductive. Uh, Jack, for what it's worth, I don't think for one minute that everybody protesting on the street is a far-right agitator. But I do take uh, Jack Power's point uh, that there are far-right agitators online as we speak uh, looking to uh, um, uh, kick things off, is how they might describe it, uh, this evening with uh, a a more forceful protest. So we will keep an eye on that um, and if there is any development, we'll bring it to you um, here on the show. Uh, much less contentious is the US presidential election <laughs> in all of this. Um, so the IO caucus um, is happening as we speak. So this is uh, the beginning of the process wherein uh, Republican voters uh, will decide who they want to be president. Um in all likelihood, uh, Donald Trump is is going to come out on top of this, uh, David. The question is whether he comes out with a 50% plus or slightly below. Slightly below, it could be a mortal wound. Well, I think it's really a, it's a race for second place, isn't mm, it? it is. uh, uh, and uh, the real question is how Nikki Haley will do. And if she gets up to 24, maybe even 25%, I think, you know, that will give her a fair wind going into the next uh, two contests, one in New Hampshire, where she should do better uh, than Iowa. <laughs> Weather will be a little bit warmer anyway. And then, of <laughs> course, uh, the third contest she'll face is her own in her, her own home state, where she's bound to do well. Now, I suppose it all it's all about exerting a certain countervailing influence on a Trump candidacy because the Republicans will choose Trump. And, um, you know, I suppose people would want to see what other forces there are within Republicanism that that might rein Trump in. But uh, I must say I have a bad feeling about this because Trump didn't really expect to win uh, for, uh, when he ran, was it eight years ago? Uh, but now he's all geared up. And he's got plenty of people in his sights for when he gets into the White House and what he's going to do with them. And he hasn't planned this. And plan. you have a genuine, and when you say you have a fear, in what sense? I think that uh, he's he's got a plan this time for yeah. what he's going to do. And, do, but do you think, and do, I don't you know, think it'll be pretty. Threat. Do you think that's hyperbole or do you believe it? Well, I don't think democracy is ever under threat when the people that are chosen uh, attain office. And yeah. That's the purpose of democracy. Uh, I mean... You just uh, wonder, you just worry about what direction you take that country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like I say, I think, uh, like, uh, as they say in Gilbert and Sullivan, he has a little list now of people that he's going to, um, uh, he's certainly going to terminate their careers. Yeah. And I think he has a plan, whereas there's no doubt that uh, it, all, you can recall the chaos of the first White House months where he plainly didn't expect to be there and didn't really have yeah. a plan. I think it'll be different this time. My father Ted with its golden cleric speech. Uh, Jack, um, <laughs> the, um, are, are you as kind of fascinated by this or is it happening too early in the year? Well, no, I think it's important in terms of, as we said, the race for second. I mean, if Haley can 
Powell here and come second or come a close third, um, it'll obviously give her a lot of momentum, which momentum really is kind of the, the bread and butter of a primary campaign. Mm. As David said, then heading into New Hampshire, where she's favoured to do well, potentially if she can, as I say, build up a bit of momentum here in Iowa um, with a strong polling result, then possibly kind of challenge Trump in um, that particular primary if it's close or if she pips ahead of Trump, does that kind of change the narrative of the entire kind of primary campaign? It becomes much more of a two horse race. The caveat to that I would add is in terms of DeSantis's support, he comes from the Trump-esque kind of yeah. gene pool. So if he's killed off as a candidate, a lot of his support will naturally gravitate towards Trump, kind of further bolstering his already incredibly kind of commanding position in the Republican primary. So uh, it's really, I still think, a question of by how much he'll win by it. I I don't see a route to to a second challenger kind of coming close in the end, really. Well, much like events in Ross Gray, events in Iowa, a a changing picture. So we will update you uh, over the course of the next few hours. Uh, David Davenpower, journalist, Jack Power, journalist with the Irish Times. Thank you both, uh, gentlemen, for joining me here in studio for the afternoon update. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.